So as I was sharing earlier in our new sermon series, we're going to be spending time with Jesus and his disciples in the midst of his earthly ministry. Um, With Jesus, so much was not as it was expected to be, not as the culture around him dictated it should be. Um, In this sermon series uh, called For, each week we're going to pay attention to who Jesus was for in his time on earth, which so often were the outsiders, the people left on the margins in Jesus' time and in our own. In the season of Easter, as we seek to live as people of the resurrection, following after our Lord Jesus, let us listen intently to his teaching to us this day. It comes to us from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15, verses 1 to 32. All the tax collectors and sinners were gathering around Jesus to listen to him. The Pharisees and legal experts were grumbling, saying, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So Jesus told them this parable. Suppose someone among you had 100 sheep and lost one of them. Wouldn't he leave the other 99 in the pasture and search for the one until he finds it? And when he finds it, he is thrilled and places it on his shoulders. When he arrives home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Celebrate with me because I've found my lost sheep. In the same way, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who changes both heart and life than over 99 righteous people who have no need to change their hearts and lives. Or what woman, if she owns 10 silver coins and loses one of them, won't light a lamp and sweep the house, searching her home carefully until she finds it? When she finds it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, celebrate with me because I found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, joy breaks out in the presence of God's angels over one sinner who changes both heart and life. Jesus said, a certain man had two sons. The younger son said to his father, Father, give me my share of the inheritance. Then the father divided his estate between them. Soon afterward, the younger son gathered everything together and took a trip to a land far away. There he wasted his wealth through extravagant living. When he had used up his resources, a severe food shortage arose in that country and he began to be in need. He hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his field to feed pigs. He longed to eat his fill from what the pigs ate but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired hands have more than enough food, but I'm starving to death. I will get up and go to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Take me on as one of your hired hands. So he got up and went to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was moved with compassion. His father ran to him, hugged him, and kissed him. Then his son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. 
But the father said to his servants, quickly, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Fetch the fatted calf and slaughter it. We must celebrate with feasting because the son of mine was dead and has come back to life. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field. Coming in from the field, he approached the house and heard music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked what was going on. The servant replied, your brother has arrived and your father has slaughtered the fatted calf because he received his son back safe and sound. Then the older son was furious and didn't want to enter in. But his father came out and begged him. He answered his father, look, I've served you all these years and I never disobeyed your instruction. Yet you've never given me as much as a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours returned, after gobbling up your estate on prostitutes, you slaughtered the fattened calf for him. Then his father said, son, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Amen. So it's hard in our world today to remember a time when we have been truly lost. Companies like our own Garmin here in Olathe have solved that problem for us 99% of the time. With our cell phones in tow, practically, if not actually 24-7, we have maps at our fingertips that will not only tell us where we are, but also show us where we are going, along with the different routes we have to choose from in order to get from here to there, and even a fairly accurate estimate on how long it will take for us to arrive that alerts us to roadblocks or obstacles that might delay us along the way. It's hard in our world today to remember a time when we have been truly lost. Maybe it's an early memory involving a department store. Maybe it's a story you can tell from an earlier time. Maybe there was the day the phone died or a place so remote the cell phone signal disappeared. But see if you can remember a time in your life when you were utterly lost. No clue where you were. No idea which direction to turn. In an unfamiliar place. Unsure of how you make your way home. Being lost is the worst when you are alone when it happens. Jesus knows this, for in each of the parables he tells the people that day, the lost thing is solitary in its lost reality. It's one sheep, that is separated from the 99. It's one coin out of the 10 that can't be found. It's one son who has traveled to a land far away and finds himself alone in a herd of pigs with no one to turn to 
with no one to give him anything, Scripture tells us. It's why it is no surprise that on the day Jesus is telling these parables, Luke tells us that it was tax collectors and sinners who had gathered around Jesus to listen intently to his teaching. It's when we are lost and we know it, can feel it, recognize it, that we are most on the lookout for help. It's then that we live with eyes peeled and ears attuned for someone who can help us find our way home. The people who most often gathered around Jesus, who sought him out, followed him, were people who were in need in such a way that they couldn't ignore it or deny it. It's those that were comfortable, who felt right at home in the world they were living in, who thought all was well with their lives and world, who struggled the most with Jesus' teaching, with Jesus' being. That group is with us as Jesus tells these parables to the people, but they are there not to listen to the teacher, but to complain about and judge both what he has to say and those who have come to hear it. Luke tells us that as he was teaching the people, the Pharisees and legal experts were grumbling, saying, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. It's both because of that grumbling and because of those sinners gathered around him that Jesus tells the triad of parables that are our scripture today. Jesus wants to communicate to any who are feeling lost the lengths that he will go to find them. Jesus wants those gathered around him hungry for his guiding word to know just how much value they hold in his eyes, in the eye of the God who sent him. Any sheep is valuable enough for the shepherd to leave the 99 to go in search for of it. Each coin holds the same value as another. And when the lost one is found, it is worth gathering the neighbors from all around to celebrate that finding. In those first two parables, both times, Jesus names that it is when a sinner changes both their heart and their lives that they are truly found. The change Jesus is looking for isn't surface level. If we have all our stuff together on the surface, but our hearts a mess, we are still lost. You can just imagine him eyeballing the Pharisees as he says those words. Any sinner who changes both heart and life. For these legal experts have it all figured out on the outside. They follow the rules, dress the part, play the game. But Jesus' presence has revealed that change is needed in their hearts. If they are going to truly rest in the home that is God's love for them, God's grace for them. 
which is why Jesus continues with that third parable. In it, we watch the one son lose his way. Unlike the sheep and the coin before him, this time the losing is definitely the lost one's fault. It is his series of greedy and foolish choices that lands him alone in the midst of that pig herd in a foreign land with nothing to his name and no one who will give him anything. He decides to return to his father's house because there even the hired hands are well cared for. Their reunion is rich with meaning. Before the son has said a word, before the father can sense his regret, know that he is remorseful, hear his plea, Jesus tells us that it is when he was still a long way off that the father sees him, is moved with compassion, and runs to greet him, hugging and kissing him before the son can say a thing. Compassion, love, and grace for the lost one flow from the Father without the Son saying or doing anything. Yet then the Son speaks, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your Son. The Father's actions are immediate and swift. He calls for the things, a robe and a ring that mark the lost one's status as his son and gifts them to him as he orders a celebration, a feast to begin immediately to celebrate the son's homecoming. In the Gospel of Luke, it is parties, feasts, celebrations that are the central image of the kingdom of God, which you just have to love and gives us all the more permission to keep throwing parties in the here and now. Yet the older son, the one who has stayed with his father, who's followed the rules, dressed the part, played the game fairly, just as the instructions said that he should. It's the older son and all those Pharisees and legal experts gathered around Jesus that day who refused to go to the party who stand on the outside of all of the celebrations that are breaking out as the father welcomes the prodigal home, as Jesus saves and finds one lost soul after another. Jesus is changing the rules, which is why the Pharisees and legal experts are struggling so much. Jesus is making clear to those of us prodigals and those of us older sons and daughters that our status as children of God is not something we ever deserve. It's not something we earn. It's not something we win because we follow the rules or play the game. Our status as sons and daughters is no status at all. It's simply who we are. And nothing we do or say or think, nowhere we go, no detour we take, no perfect life we live changes that reality. The love, the compassion, the grace offered is freely given by the God who loves us 
and values us all equally. The God who will seek after us when we're lost and when we hightail it in the other direction will always be waiting, longing to catch a glimpse of us from a long way off so that he might run to welcome us home. Just like Jesus' Jesus's first disciples, we are called to follow Jesus' example. If Jesus teaches compassion, love, and grace, we are called to live out that same compassion, love, and grace, to share of it as freely as we have received it. So I've recently watched the TV series, The Chosen, which was created to tell the story of Jesus and his disciples in the media of our time. It's based on the gospels, but imagines around them a fuller narrative of what happens as the lives of Jesus and his students unfolds. Like anything that uses scripture to tell the story of God, it's an interpretation. But the first three seasons that are out so far feel like a very faithful one to me. And I've been struck by what it has meant to me to experience the stories of Jesus come to life. You can watch the first season on Netflix or all three seasons for free on Angel, the app of the company who produced the show. Today, I wanna share with you the scene that is the calling of the tax collector, Matthew. For it was sinners and tax collectors gathered around Jesus, listening for his word as he told our parables for today. Tax collectors were about as lost as you could be in the eyes of Israel in that time. They were seen as complete traitors of the people, for they were Jews who turned their back on their own people, enforcing the unjust tax laws of Rome and benefiting handsomely because of it. As the chosen imagines it, Matthew has been disowned by his family and is all alone in the world, save his dog and a working relationship with Gaius, his Roman guard, when Jesus comes on the scene. Matthew has been watching and listening to him from a distance for a while when the scene you're about to watch unfolds. It's Simon, who later will become Peter, who is the other disciple who is central in the story as it unfolds. Let's watch together. Cursor to the left, if that helps. There it is. You see the Parthian foot races last night? Darius ran like a gazelle. Jews don't go to foot races. Your old friend Simon himself used to run the wagering tables. We're not friends. Next. Okay, fine. So you did not go to the races? You stay home? I went to see my mother. Ugh, that would put me out, too. She asked when you're going to give her grandchildren? She didn't ask. I thought your parents don't speak to you. I had questions I couldn't ask anyone else. 
A mother of a son with talent like yours should be proud. She's ashamed that I could use the talent that God gave me against God. Next. You're good at something. You found a way to make a living doing it. It's that simple. Must be nice to live in a world so simply ordered. We live in the same world, Matthew. Next. Besides, what else are you going to do with a mind like yours? Matthew. Matthew, son of Alpheus. Yes. Follow me. Me? <laughs> yes, you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh. What are you doing? You want me to join you? Keep moving, street preacher. Do you have any idea what this guy has done? Do you even know him? Yes. Listen, I said to... What are you doing? Where do you think you're going? Guys, let me go. Have you lost your mind? You have money. Quintus protects you. No Jew lives as good as you. You're gonna throw it all away. Yes. I don't get it. You didn't get it when I chose you either. But this is different. I'm not a tax collector. Get used to different. I'm glad we passed by your booth today, Matthew. Yes. Shall we? We have a celebration to prepare for. You will regret this, Matthew. What's the tablet for? I grabbed it without thinking. You can put it back. No, no, keep it. You may yet find use for it. Where are we going? A dinner party. I'm not welcome at dinner parties. Well, that's not going to be a problem tonight. You're the host. I love Simon in this scene. I don't get it, he names for Jesus. You didn't get it when I chose you either, Jesus replies. This is different, Simon says. I'm not a tax collector. This is different. Get used to different. Get used to different. Jesus was changing the rules. He still is. Jesus is for all the people the world is against because Jesus is for us all. Jesus is for all the people the world is against, and we need to change our hearts and our lives until we are for them too. 
until we can join in the party. Get used to different. Amen? Amen.